This is the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. Welcome, everybody, to this solo episode of the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. I am your host, John Allen. Coming at you solo today. Before I get started, I want to thank you all for watching or listening. Uh, if you're watching me on YouTube, that's where I'd like you to be. Um, of course, you can also listen to me on your podcast platform of choice. Regardless of where you're watching or listening, you can look in the episode description and you'll see a couple, uh, you'll see three links where you can click in if you'd like to support my work and what I'm doing here on the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. You can make a donation. It's not necessary, but it certainly is appreciated. Okay. So happy Juneteenth. Yeah. Today is Juneteenth, uh, June 19th, 2021. This is the first, um, the first time that this has been an officially recognized federal holiday, uh, Juneteenth. Uh, what is Juneteenth? A lot of you are asking, a lot of people don't know, um, regardless of your <clears throat> skin color. Uh, there's a lot of people out there who just don't know what Juneteenth is. Well, we have to get a little bit of uh, history. I have to give you a little bit of history so that you can understand this. Uh, if you don't already know what Juneteenth is, um, the Emancipation Emancipation Proclamation was signed by uh, Abraham Lincoln, and it was put into effect the first of January, eighteen sixty-three. And that proclamation stated that all slaves in the South, in the Confederate States, were free. Now. That was not a day of uh, amen, hallelujah, and uh, dancing in the streets. Um, as we all know, the South refused to recognize the, the Emancipation Proclamation. And a, I don't want to say a majority, but I would say a lot of those slaves, uh, technically they're now to be considered former slaves once that document was signed by uh, President Lincoln and put into effect on the 1st of January, 1863, they're technically former slaves. Uh, the point is, is that some of them, maybe most of them, didn't even know that they were free. Of course, the slave masters, the slave owners, and the whole uh, apparatus that propped up uh, the institution of slavery in the South, in the, in, in the Confederate States, would probably do everything they could to, uh, probably in the first place, keep those black Americans from knowing that they were free. Or if they did find out somehow that they were in fact free, um, the the propagators of that institution of slavery would certainly not allow them to be uh, free in a practical sense. So Juneteenth then, this was um, the 19th of June in 1865 when the last group of slaves in Texas, Galveston, Texas, were finally notified that they were in fact free. So two years, more than two years after the Emancipation Proclamation was put in place, two years later is when this last group of slaves were told that they were free. So that is the origins of Juneteenth or June 19th. Um, 19th of June, 1865. Now, you hear a lot of people who are, and, and these are the same people, the same people who are against the 1619 Project, the same people who are against uh, reparations for black Americans. These are the same people who are saying things like, oh, well, Juneteenth, you know, what is that? That's not even proper English. What does that mean? That's confusing. <laughs> My answer to them is Juneteenth is no more confusing than Columbus Day. 
uh, uh, what am I talking about? Look at what Columbus Day is supposed to be about and then look at the true history of Christopher Columbus and the, the, the facts around the statement that Christopher Columbus um, discovered America. Okay, so Juneteenth is no more confusing as a holiday than Columbus Day is. Uh, I like a, uh, I'm going to paraphrase a quote uh, that D.L. Hughley said a couple nights ago on Don Lemon's show on CNN. D.L. Hughley said, isn't it amazing that when you ask for justice and what you end up getting is a holiday? That's a, that's a funny statement, made fun even more funny by the way D.L. Hughley delivered that statement. And again, I'm paraphrasing, but it's quite funny, but it's also, there's a lot of truth. There's a, that, that, that statement packs a punch. As you laugh, I hope it also does something with you. Uh, I hope it does something uh, to your to your thought process. Um, we have Juneteenth, and that's a good thing. But I can't say thank you for giving me Juneteenth. Um, the federal government, uh, the United States of America, didn't give us Juneteenth. Uh, Black Americans have been celebrating Juneteenth since the 19th of June, 1865. So this is nothing that was given to us. This is something that came about through black Americans recognizing this day for ourselves, for our own uh, knowledge, for our own enjoyment. And that knowledge and that enjoyment has peripherally spread, um, not to the entire United States, but it's spread enough to where now it is a federally uh, recognized holiday. It's a federal, it's a federal holiday. Um, so, so don't get it, don't get it twisted, as as we like to say. Uh, this is nothing that has been given to us. If you want to look at it uh, the way it is, we uh, Black Americans have given this recognition, this date to the rest of America. Um, you're welcome. Uh, you you see what I'm saying? This is this is. Um, it's not something that we were given. It's something that we have recognized up through the years, and it has spread to the effect that it is now a federally recognized holiday. But underneath this acknowledgement of Juneteenth is a lot of work that has just been skipped over. I posted a picture on my Facebook page of it's a kid who's um, there's a he's in front of a flight of steps. He's at the bottom. And he took a step, like five or six steps up. So he's standing with one foot at the bottom of the landing of the stairs, and the other foot is like four or five steps up. And on that top step where his foot is, it says Juneteenth. But then on the step under that, it says, um, I can't remember, but maybe voting rights. It says stop police violence on the step under that. And on the step under that, it says equality under the law. Um I like that meme. I like that picture that I posted because it tells um, it tells the truth about what we're experiencing now. I get the impression, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist, and uh, I just don't get into that stuff, but I am capable of reading the writing on the wall. And it seems that um, at least the politicians on the right have, air quote, given us this holiday to try and appease us, to try and get us to back down, back off, relax, and maybe forget about some other issues that we are trying to get, uh, to get through. Um, how is it that we got a unanimous vote in the Senate to make Juneteenth a federal holiday, but we can't get 50, uh, politicians, 50 senators to, to vote for, um, 
voting rights, to secure voting rights. Um, you do know, I hope, that the Voting Rights Act has been severely weakened over the last few years and more recently over the last few months as there are, what was it, was it 45 states that are putting in place laws uh, that if they go into effect, they will, uh, according to, the, to, to experts, they will weaken the voting rights and the accessibility of voting to the average American. And even more specifically, will it limit the access to, to voting and the ease of voting for black and brown Americans and poor whites? There's a reason that they're doing that. Where do most black and brown Americans and poor whites vote? Which party? Do they usually vote Democrat or usually vote Republican? And who is behind these these new laws that are going to weaken voting rights and access to voting? Is it the Democrat Party or the Republican Party? Do the math, figure it out, and see what's happening. Um, police violence. Why is it that we can get a unanimous vote in the Senate where 100 senators vote for uh, the imp implementation of Juneteenth as a federal holiday, but we can't get 50 senators uh, to, to put in a measure that curbs uh, the effect of police violence on the black and brown community. Why is that? So do you see what I'm getting at? It, it, it appears to me that they're putting, uh, they're putting this, this, this beautiful thing, which is federal recognition of Juneteenth as a holiday. They're putting that in our faces, and that's fine. We'll take it. Again, I refuse to say thank you, but we will, we'll take it. But hopefully this is not at the expense of these other measures um, that need to be addressed. I, uh, I think there's some senators out there, and, and we'll see what, uh, what the House uh, does, you know, congressmen and congresswomen, what they do about some of these, these issues. But I believe it's already quite apparent that there are some senators out there who think that, um, who think that they can hide behind uh, the smokescreen that is Juneteenth. So um, don't let this uh, recognition of Juneteenth be bastardized by, politi by politics. Let's take it for what it is. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great holiday to uh, recognize. There's a lot of history behind it. Um, is this a victory for black America? Sure, absolutely. But it's not the end of the game. It's not the end of the battle. There's a lot more chapters to this book that have to be written and read. Um, don't relax. So happy Juneteenth. Yeah, sure. Happy Juneteenth. But, um, the struggle continues. The fight continues. Do not be, uh, pacified by the passing of this, uh, this, this federally recognized holiday. So as I say, you know, Juneteenth is a start, but there's so much more work to be done. There's, there's a lot more work to be done. I, I think a big aspect of the work that needs to be done is the unification of not just black Americans, but of Americans. We need to recognize what in fact needs to be worked on. Now, <clears throat> I have a friend. Um, he's a great guy. Um, I know him through uh, social media. He sent me a video, and I'm not quite sure what the point of him sending me that video was, but it was a video. I have to look at my notes here. Um, 
a video. It's called the Glenn Show. Now, I've never heard of this show, but apparently it's quite popular from the from the uh, the numbers that I'm seeing on YouTube. It's called the Glenn Show, and a gentleman by the name of Glenn Lowry and another gentleman by the name of John McWhorter, uh, two black gentlemen, were talking about um, black victimization and the infantile um, the infantilization of the black, the so-called black movement, their words, not mine. Um, and in this video, we had two black gentlemen talking about how, uh, and I think they were quite, um, <laughs> I mean, they were, they were, they were putting every voice, every black voice into the same category of weak, uh, brainwashed, uh, victims you know they said oh they're, they're suffering from the victim mentality black people are suffering from the victim mentality um i i i have i i contend with that i i i, I protest i push back against the use of that word uh that the black movement is a movement of victimhood um This victim mentality, it's not a mentality, it's, it's a reality. <laughs> Get your alities right. Victim mentality or the victim reality. You know, we're talking about Juneteenth, um, but let's also talk about uh, the Tulsa massacre. Tulsa, Oklahoma, it's been 100 years, uh, 1921, where um, what was known as Black Wall Street was burned to the ground in Tulsa, Oklahoma, by a white mob who was basically just mad that black people were making it. Now, let's talk about this victim mentality uh, as opposed to the victim reality. Well, the, the reality of black victims at that time were that they had been enslaved for 400 years. And in 1865, as we know from Juneteenth, finally in 1865, um, Black people were, at least on paper, free. They were at least notified that they were free. Now, in spite of all of those years with enslavement, in spite of that attempt to indoctrinate a sense of inferior, inferiority on black Americans, um, black people, these former slaves, still had the wherewithal, still had the strength, still had the focus, still had the pride in themselves to rise from slavery and put in place this phenomenon and i call it a phenomenon which is black wall street which is tulsa in in 1921 so 40 what is that 60 almost around 60 years um what 54 years from slavery to 1921 black wall street what is the significance of this in that short span of time black people went from slavery to being subjected to the worst um, violence that, uh, that, that that has ever been subjected on a people uh, in the United States. Um, I'm not going to get into an argument about that in, in, in the Native Americans. Let's say some of the worst uh, violence that's ever been subjected on a, uh, on a people in the United States. They went from that to building their own self-sustaining uh, society, um, uh, city, um, 
group of businesses, their own internal economy that was so successful, it is known today as the Black Wall Street. It is so successful that it, I don't know, motivated uh, a bunch of white um, people in this mob to actually go in and burn it to the ground and kill several hundred of these black Americans that had created um, this, uh, this society in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Does that sound like a group of people or a race of people, if you will, who are beaten down by a sense of victimness, victimhood, victimness, victimhood, let's call it victimhood. Um, does this sound like a, a group of people who are beaten down and weighed down into a point of inactivity by a victim mentality? No, quite the opposite. This sounds like a people who have risen risen far above what was expected, far above what was accepted by the society of the time, far above it, in spite of these horrific conditions over 400 years, in spite of, um, you know, the reconstruction years after the Civil War, um, where the government process in many southern, pretty much all southern states, was put in place in such a way as to hamper the advancement of these former slaves. In spite of all of that, they were able to create a place like Tulsa, Oklahoma. That does not sound like a victim mentality to me. Okay, so, <clears throat> excuse me, from 1921, let's fast forward to uh, the civil rights movement. Uh, let's take us up to, I don't know, uh, 1968, all the way up until the death of Martin Luther King. Uh, what was happening then? Um, l let it be said, by the way, that uh, the Tulsa massacre is not the only such massacre uh, in the history of the United States. This is not the only incident of a mass um, uh, suppression of black advancement and black success in America. This has happened in other places. Wilmington, for example. Uh, you know, check it out. Do your history, people. Uh, uh, do your research, rather, and learn your history. This Tulsa is not the only time something like this has happened, but it was quite prolific, and it may have been the worst such case. So that's why I mentioned, excuse me, that's why I mentioned the Tulsa uh, massacre. But uh, other massacres besides that, and then from that time all the way until the death of Martin Luther King, we have the struggle for civil rights. Um, <laughs> the struggle for civil rights. Is, is civil rights something should that should encompass a struggle? Is this not something that, sh that is written in the Constitution, that all men are created equal, that everyone is uh, uh, to be given, to be permitted uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? And yet, black people went through a struggle to attain their civil rights. Struggle, um, the, the very definition of the term struggle in other words, to fight against or to fight for um, uh, a goal or to achieve something, that, that is an act. That is an active thing that is happening. That is not uh, a, a sign of, of, uh, of a victim mentality. A victim mentality uh, incapacitates a person. A victim mentality um, puts a person into a um, condition of complacency, of stasis, um, so civil rights struggle, you know, uh, fighting against Jim Crow. Uh, there was a fight against Jim Crow. Fight against does not imply victim 
mentality. And again, this, this is my response to that video by uh, Glenn Lowry uh, from the, the, the Glenn Show. This is my response to his conversation with John McWhorter. Um, I, I, I push back against this narrative that to speak out on a social media platform or to speak out in a debate uh, or to speak out on the evening news about injustice and about the lack of equality and, and equal protection under the law for black Americans, black and brown Americans, or any other minority, I refuse to believe that that is a, a, a sign of, of a victim mentality. Again, it is the victim reality. Are women not discriminated against in the, in the workplace? Of course they are. That is a reality. They are victims of that reality. It is a victim reality, not a victim mentality. Uh, are black people not uh, uh, beaten um, unjustifiably by police at a higher rate than, uh, than, than, than it should be? That is a reality. That is the reality of the victims of police brutality. It's not a victim mentality. It is a victim reality. So I push back. I, I, I thank my friend, I don't, and I don't want to name him because I love him to death. He's done some good things for me, but I have to push back. Well, I have to question why was that video sent to me? Uh, I have to tell you this. <clears throat> that video and videos like that or statements like that from black people uh, who who uh, parrot the the narrative of the the right or the far right that narrative that says that black people are living in a state of uh, uh, or are are living under a victim mentality um, when they find black people who parrot that type of narrative they love to push them to the forefront uh, as if as if they're trying to tell us black Americans who our leaders should be, who are these black people who should be speaking for us? Well, yeah, it should be this guy who is telling you that because you speak up against the reality of victims, that you are living with a victim mentality. I just can't, uh, I, I can't sit quietly while someone presents me, presents me with, uh, with something like that. It couldn't be farther from the truth. You have a victim mentality, victim reality. I know which one. I am a, uh, a uh, I know which one I, I'm, I'm going to, uh, to recognize. I recognize the victim reality. There is no victim mentality. Now, having said that, when you look in some of these cities, um, Let's, let's look at the victims of redlining, for example, in the city of Chicago. Uh, you guys know what redlining is. If you don't, look it up. I'll tell you very briefly. Redlining is a the practice of um, isolating black people to and, and relegating them to certain neighborhoods uh, and isolating them from other neighborhoods, making it impossible for them to get a loan or to buy a home in certain neighborhoods, which then forces... Um, uh, ghettos into existence because when a black person uh, up through the years was forced to buy a home in a uh, a neighborhood that has a smaller value and less of a tax base well the schools are going to be worse because they're not funded by a proper um, level of taxation because the property values are so low um, they're forced to buy a home and live in what is called a food desert 
Uh, do you guys know what a food desert is? It's literally an area where there is no available healthy food, which then is going to uh, snowball the effect of bad nutrition, bad health. It's going to have a snowball effect where people are, um, uh, where people need to use the medical system much more than in more affluent uh, neighborhoods. Uh, things like that. There's a snowball effect from redlining. So when you have lived generation after generation, you might be on your third or fourth generation of living in this ghetto with no job opportunities, uh, no tax base to fund your schools properly, so you're getting a poor education. Uh, all of these things lead to higher crime. When you've lived like that year after year, and you maybe have never even set foot outside of your neighborhood, yes, there can become a certain mentality to where these individuals feel like there's no way out, there's no better life for them. But it is implied by Glenn Laurie and John McWhorter and others, it is implied that people who fall into that type of mentality, that it is because of some moral weakness that they have, because it is some, it's because of some sort of character flaw. Well, I say to you today that it is not because of moral weakness, it is not because of a character flaw, but it is because of that particular aspect of institutional or systemic racism. Redlining is systemic racism. Okay? Now, <clears throat> anyone can pick up a book and type in redlining and you get all kinds of information about it. So when you see that information in front of you and you refuse to acknowledge it, then you are willfully ignorant. Now, I'm ignorant of a lot of things. There's a lot of things out there that I have no clue about. And until I have a clue about it, until I educate myself or get educated on it, I'm ignorant of that. But when you are presented with the facts right in front of you and you choose not to acknowledge that, then you are willfully ignorant. You are willfully keeping yourself in the dark. Um, this is what I put out to those who may be listening or watching who believe that there's no such thing as institutional or systemic racism. Uh, if you live in Chicago, you have seen redlining firsthand. I don't care what color you are. You have seen red, the effects of red, redlining firsthand. So acknowledge that. Jump into it and learn a little bit about it. Remove your ignorance. You can do that. <laughs> I do it daily. I'm ignorant of a lot of things, but I'm also learning a lot of things. So if you're willfully ignorant, uh, poor you, poor you. To me, a person who does not believe in systemic or institutional racism, who, who, if you believe that it doesn't exist, you're holding yourself willfully ignorant because the facts are right there in front of you. Again, you live in Chicago or the Chicago area, you have seen redlining firsthand. You've seen firsthand evidence of redlining. Yeah, there's laws that have been put in place that, uh, that make redlining illegal, but the effects of redlining are still reverberating. Those waves are still crashing into the shore of modern day Chicago, modern day New York City, modern day, you know, different big cities all over the place. The ripples from those waves are still hitting the shoreline today. And you know it. You know, uh, but a lot of people out there are so preoccupied, you know, I've got, to, they, they've got to own the left. They've got to beat down, uh, intellectually beat down that libtard and own them in the, in the argument or debate on, uh, on Twitter or on Facebook. And 
I don't know, that maybe that pumps you up. Maybe it makes you feel good. You feel like you won an argument. You prove some kind of point. Uh, fine, puff up your chest, but also open up a book. <laughs> uh, uh, click into Wikipedia at the very least and read about some of these things about which you argue. Um, make some substance to your argument, and you do that by getting informed, by becoming less ignorant. That's my goal. Uh, and I'm not trying to say anything mean about ignorance. The word ignorance is not a curse word. It's not a derogatory term. It's just a statement of fact. If you're ignorant about something, it just simply means that you don't know about it. And I'm ignorant of a lot of things, but I try to become less ignorant every single day. It's a goal that I have. Um, it's not a lofty goal. It's quite easy to achieve. Uh, read. Talk to people that you disagree that you disagree with. And I say, talk with people. Don't have an online argument talk with people with whom you disagree. Uh, learn something new every day. Become less ignorant every single day. And your life can't help but get better. Uh, the more you know, the, the, the better you can live your life. So, I, I, I you know, again, back to this, this victim mentality that so many people on the right uh, are trying to propagate this whole victim mentality that that a majority of black people are supposed to be living under. I just can't get down with that. I, I, <clears throat> I don't believe it. Um, it's just not happening. You know, black people are not lying down and resigning themselves um, uh, to victimhood. They're not. Um, now, you can argue the effectiveness of some of the techniques in which uh, we fight against uh, some of these injustices, um, you know, where a protest turns into a riot, uh, for example, things like that. You can argue about that, but you can't say that the overwhelming majority of black people are lying down and just taking it because it's not true. Um, we've seen that over the past year, year and a half, the George Floyd killing and all the protests that happened afterwards, uh, all of the protests that started happening after Ahmad, Ahmad uh, Arbery uh, was killed in Georgia. Uh, we're not taking it lying down. Um, if we were taking it lying down, there would be no such thing as a federal holiday called Juneteenth. I'll put it to you that way. Um, black people... Um, uh, let's see, let me check my notes. Um, yes, the National Center for for education statistics reported that from the academic years of 2000-2001 until 2015-2016, the number of bachelor's degrees awarded to black students increased by 75%. And the number of associate degrees earned by black students increased by, get this, 110%. Does that sound like a people who are resigning themselves to a life of uh, victim status? Does this sound like people who are uh, resigning themselves to live their lives from the perspective of a victim mentality? Or are they acknowledging the victim reality? Uh, black people have been kept from uh, higher education, have been attempted to be kept from higher education since <laughs> day one in the United States. Uh, just go back and look at look at the black codes and look at Jim Crow, where black people were not even allowed to read, or uh, you know during the days of Jim Crow, if a black person was to vote, they had to read a certain passage that was put in front of them, and if they couldn't read, which many of them couldn't, then you couldn't vote. So 
in spite of all of that, look at these numbers, most, these most recent numbers of the increases of black people earning a higher uh, education, earning a degree, earning a degree through a higher education. I mean, that's off the charts. That's 110%. The number of associate degrees earned by black students increased by 110% from 2000-2001 until the school year 2015-2016. And, uh, and, and, and black, black, um, <clears throat> excuse me, black students are making a headway in graduate education as well. Um, for example, the numbers of black students enrolled in master's degree programs has, uh, has, has doubled from 1996 to 2016. It's doubled. Again, does this sound like a people who are resigned to living life through the lenses of a victim mentality? No doesn't sound like it to me it just doesn't so I don't want to go on and keep repeating myself but I think this needed to be said I felt like it needed to be said I wanted to say happy Juneteenth but I also wanted to say uh, take Juneteenth for what it is I do believe that uh, Juneteenth from the perspective of a lot of politicians on the right is just a temporary pacifier um, it's a temporary pacifier. They're hoping that this will calm um, the demands. It will it will water down the demands that black Americans, black and brown Americans and women are making on this, um, this current uh, United States of America. Um, it's not going to stop me from doing what I do. It's not going to stop me from speaking what I speak on. Uh, I'm not a politician. I don't think I ever will be. Um, but I do comment on society as I see it, um, and I invite others to join me in that dialogue. So I'm commenting on this uh, this holiday, Juneteenth, as I see it and the meaning behind it. Um, let it be a good thing. It should be a good thing. It can be an educational tool. Uh, again, there's many Americans, black Americans included, who have never heard of Juneteenth before. But uh, now it's in the books as a federal holiday. Let's use it as a teaching moment. Let's make Juneteenth a platform from which we can fill in some of the holes in the truth of American history. Okay? I want to thank you all for watching. I want to thank you all for listening. Um, check in the episode description for ways in which you can support me and the work that I do on the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. Um, I'll see you guys in the comments section, okay? Bye, everybody.